it's the 5th of August and I'm joined here today by my friends Josh, James and I'm Jess. How's everybody doing? <laughs> yeah, good. I, I felt nervous there for a second because I expected James to pull something <laughs> and he didn't. Josh was so I, ready for some shenanigans. I just need to like keep up. You can't be the traitor every time. Well, no, because this has actually been an extremely good way to mess with me because now I just feel sort of unfulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> You've loved Josh feeling unsatisfied. What can I say? I've learned from the masters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could have been looking at Josh. It's just hard to look at Josh because there's a window behind him and it's super bright. <laughs> Well, anyway, um, so here this week we are going to talk about genre um, after we all watched a pretty interesting film um, on Netflix. And I would definitely recommend you guys go watch it too. But if you're going to do that, do that first. Don't listen to the podcast because that's going to give we'll away. Spoil it. Yeah. We should say the name and then give them a couple of seconds to stop listening to this. Yeah. yeah. So the. Oh shoot! Was it the best offer? Yeah. The best offer. The best yeah. offer. Was the, um, I, I always forget if it's like the best bid or something like that. But no, the best offer um, is available on New Zealand Netflix. Um, so and... stop listening now and go get it. And I would recommend if you're going to stop listening now and go watch it, which I do recommend. It was a good movie. I I enjoyed it. Yeah. Don't look at anything around the movie. Don't even look at like what category netflix puts it in yeah just go find the movie and watch it like don't look at trailers don't look at reviews just go in cold because it's probably the best way to experience it at least if you want to come back and really value what we talk about as uh as fiends on the on the genre thing yeah yeah so yeah. stop now this is your warning you've been warned okay, okay. so <laughs> Um, How was the movie? Well, I just, um, I really enjoyed it. I definitely think it was a good movie. I mean, um, I was asking our listeners, but... Oh. Oh. Yeah, but, yeah, no, tell me about it. <laughs> that, well, that I mean, would be boring, yeah. because they can't talk. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I thought it was a good movie, and um, that it did a couple of things wrong, but did a lot of things right as well, so overall it gets, like, a thumbs up from me. Uh... Yeah, I mean, pretty much I found it was a bit too long, and I really liked a lot of the things in it. I did find that it over-explained its metaphors a bit, but yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, that was my biggest problem with it, that it was like, hey, remember how these are our major themes <laughs> occasionally? Yeah. Um, But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it, and, you know, the reason we're here talking about it is... Because it's it very interesting weird. to look at. Well, because Jess really pointed this out, but it sort of swaps genre, like, yeah. not halfway through. It sort of. One third in, I'd say. Yeah. And it, like, swaps one third in and then swaps again, like, two yeah. thirds in. It's like each act is a different genre okay. of film. Let's back it up and explain our metaphors repeatedly. So, what's the first act genre? <laughs> the first X genre, I guess I would call it a thriller. Yeah, definitely. I, I would yep. call it thriller, and then Act 2 is like... Romance. Romance. Heavy romance drama type stuff. Not And Act 3? Not anything else. Act 3 is like a crime movie. Yeah, yeah. Act 3 is just a heist. Okay, so what did we think was happening at 1? So this is why I told everyone to not see anything going in because you guys did you guys saw what genre um, genre, Netflix had put it in Mm. right and so you guys from the get-go were like this is a crime movie no I I completely forgot that okay but you forgot into the movie no I had multiple lists open so I was like showing like this movie from a different genre then I was showing this movie from the crime genre and I was just like this must have been in one of the stupid genres. Yeah, we had a few. We romance. had a few genres open, but I remember thinking it was pretty weird that James had picked this movie, considering um, you know the themes that were going on when we got into the second act. I was like, yeah. I wonder mm. why this showed up on James's radar if this is the kind of movie this is. Um, yeah, and I I think we both felt like a little bit duped by the trailer. Does it have the sucker punch problem? What do you mean? That it was marketed it. wrong. Yeah. Oh, that it was marketed wrong. Uh, um, but see, the way that it was marketed did make us watch it. 
the the lore and, the lore of the first act was really interesting. And from what I've heard, the trailer was actually reasonably accurate. Like once you've watched the entire movie. Yeah, kind of. Well, we only watched half of the trailer. Yeah, we. Okay, we, uh, you realized you wanted to see it, and you didn't want any more spoilers. Yes. Yeah, we got up see. to like, I think two minutes off of three minutes. And I was like, I don't want to watch any more of this trailer because I don't want to spoil the movie. I feel like we, they said enough yeah. to get me to watch it. We had realized that she was living exclusively in her house. Mm, no, we did. We had realized that he didn't know where she was. I think we saw like an eye through a peephole. Oh, um, I think I think we may have seen a peephole related thing, but there was someone in a house, and there were secrets in the house as well. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. Maybe was... this is a good time to say like a brief plot summary for those who decide not to watch the movie yeah. and just keep going. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good act idea. one. Yeah, what happens in So, it? we have... I don't remember the characters' names except for Big Bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's this old guy. He's an art auctioneer. Mm-hmm. Um, a really, really famous good one. Oh, is his name like Oldman? Yes, it is. Yeah. Which is... That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I remember because there was always the scenes with him uh, doing the auctioning and on the front of it there was Oldman and I'm sure there's another name there like Scheinfeld or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so he's a famous art auctioneer and he he has a little thing on the side where his friend like bets, not bets, like... Yeah, puts in bids. Bids, there we go. Bids on auctions he's auctioning off. Things so that the, he's misvalued, I found. Yes. Yeah. So he uh, was intentionally, yeah, he was intentionally valuing these paintings as like good but not great, or whatever it was. It didn't have to be a painting. And then yeah. his friend would bid on them, you know, to win. So he would bid higher than everyone else. But then it turns out that actually it's like rare and priceless and yeah. way better. So he could have them for his little personal private collection of yeah. wankery. And they were all like portraits of women. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he gets this strange call from this woman who wants him to value her stuff and sell it at auction. If yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. It's yeah. A villa, but that's second act. It's a, it's a villa that belonged to her parents, who have both since passed away, but she's been led to believe that all of the stuff in there is very valuable, and she mentions that her father specifically said, go to this guy. Yeah. And after some dicking around where, like, he can't get her to meet him. Yeah. Which he finds it supremely frustrating. Oh yep. my god, they're both like so weirdly angry at different points of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he gets very, very frustrated that she refuses to meet him because there's like paperwork to be done. And I think he also just finds it quite rude yep. that she keeps on being like, blowing Yeah, come in. Yeah, she's blowing yeah. him off. So he comes to the house to do stuff, but then she's not there. Like the gameskeeper will be there or. Or no one will be there and it'll just be like a, you know, a go around and do it yourself without me there type yeah. thing. So that makes him really mad. <laughs> yeah, until he finally uh, sort of discovers that she's extremely agoraphobic. Agoraphobic, yeah. extremely. Um, and she has this little room in the house that she secludes herself in. And that's why she refuses to see him because she refuses to come out of that room. Yeah. So I thought... Act one was going to be like the entirety of the movie. Same. That's that's definitely how I felt. My understanding based on our introduction to the movie's themes, it just really felt like the movie was going to be a process of like, you know, trying to find this woman in inverted yeah. commas and then coax her out. Yeah. One of you felt like there was something supernatural going on, correct? Yeah, I thought there might be a little. Yeah, I thought like for a moment that there could have been. But I tend to feel that in, like, a lot of things. Like, <laughs> That's where our minds go. <laughs> like, so, we played a little while back a game called Contradiction. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Like a point-and-click, like, mystery game. Oh, I remember game. Contradiction. Yeah. Um, I felt like that. Well, I, I'm remembering it because I ended up watching someone playing through it oh, yeah. the oh, other okay. day. Um, and I Were like, they way smarter than we were? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> good. Um, good. Oh, yeah, do you I... want me to give a brief summary of the game? <laughs> no, um, no, 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 no more no, brief no, summaries no, no. in our summaries. It'll be great, it'll be great. You wander around for a little bit and then you get confused and you call your police chief. 
Yeah. Um, That's the game. I I felt like that game was going to end up being, like, the mystery was supernatural. Like, there were all these demon cults and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree. That one did have that vibe as well to me. I was just I think, so nervous we were going to get killed. I think whenever I yeah. encounter a thriller plot, my brain always just considers the, but is it supernatural avenue? Because I've gone into thrillers before not expecting that. Yeah. And, uh then um but yeah and then you know pretty much from there on they cover that thriller stuff really really early um and you kind of leave that those feelings behind like the the score changes the demeanor of the actors change yeah the the score in act one is much more like oh what's going on building tension do you think that sort of throwing out some of your key themes and replacing them is a good thing like when there's these fantasy thrillers that aren't fantasy is that good i don't think that they threw out the themes i think they just sort of reinterpreted them okay yeah i think they cast them in a different um sort of perspective so the first one was very much like a this is a mystery that i must solve sort of attitude and suddenly now it's like Okay. This is a person that I must fix. Mystery yeah. solved, guys. <laughs> and so, yeah, you get this suddenly romance yeah. movie where, yeah, it's about this guy trying to, like, court this woman who is That's a good stuck term in this for room. Yeah. yeah, he tries to court her into a relationship with him. Well, no, I wouldn't say he's courting her into a relationship. It almost happens as a consequence of him oh, trying hmm. to make her more comfortable. Yeah. Almost happens as a consequence of him hiding in her room to watch her without her consent. <laughs> yeah, it was supremely weird and creepy. <laughs> I like closed my eyes when he was there. I was like, oh no, something bad's gonna happen. <laughs> I just couldn't believe the stupid spot he chose. I was like, you're so yeah. just barely hidden here. What are you doing? It makes a lot more sense like how she sort of reacted to it now that we know that she was conning well, her. Well, yes. Yeah. Uh, now that we know that in spoilers, he, she was conning him the entire time. Like the the very back and forth, like uh, like get out and then come, come back, in. like go away, come back, go away. Yeah, it's very back. obviously like trying to make him attached to this woman, playing hard to get. Yeah, I mean definitely. basically, yeah. Um, so he's of the impression that she hasn't left this house in like. 20 years or something uh, insane like that 12? 12 years so she oh that's right she was young when she went to prom well if that's true i don't think <laughs> it's true something that we should be mentioning because the movie mentioned it a lot there was also a um midget that had something on the autism spectrum and they seemed she had to a very be- good memory they had a very good memory, yeah. Yeah, and that was they the um the midget woman. She is that the offensive term? Oh, um, I think okay. I think little person is. Then maybe I just know that a dwarf has misproportioned body parts, while a midget doesn't. They have correctly proportioned body parts. Yeah, I just don't want to be offensive. I I apologize. I am trying to say this from a place of not understanding. If this is the wrong term, please send it in to. New draft podcast or comment on our Tumblr. I'll look it up and I'll cut out the ones that are bad. Yeah, so a, a little Easy. person, a little person lives um, or at least works in the cafe over the road from the uh, villa. That I think she lives there. You think she lives there? Yeah, yeah remember she has her um, mechanical stair to take her up to her oh, house. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so she lives there and so that's quite important. Now, he, the the dude who does the auctioneering, Oldman, he quite often goes to that cafe, like, after they've and had a fight some or something like that. Like, for if for whatever reason he cannot yet get into the villa or does not feel comfortable doing so, yeah, he, he goes to the cafe. And doesn't drink the yeah, tea. Yeah, he's he just wasting all of his tea. Ugh. Anyway, so the second act of the movie focuses very heavily on their relationship. Um, and I would argue that this is the part of the movie that goes on for too long. Well, yeah, and so this is sort of where we're introduced to another character, um, Billy. Yeah. Who's, who becomes... <laughs> the only guy that Josh can remember. <laughs> yeah, the, the only guy whose name I remember. And that that in itself is a spoiler, because I already said that I only remember the name of the big bad. Yeah. Um, but so he's uh, 
a guy who like when they're Fixes having to do restorations on stuff that's going to auction, he's the guy who does like restorations on mechanical stuff. Yeah. And he's Oldman has been finding like these gears that fit together that he's been bringing to Billy. And when he's there, uh, he also talks about Claire is her name, is it? Claire? Probably. Another thing that I'd like to mention, though... It starts with a C. Anyway. The, one, the, the agoraphobic one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Claire. Another thing that I'd like to mention about the gears is it's another mystery presented in the mystery stage that oh, then gets, like, right. wrapped up, like, super quickly and easily. Yeah, there was a time when we thought... Because it comes out very early on that those gears are... Um, supposedly a part of an automaton so like a really old insanely (laughs) famous automaton and like for a decent amount of time I was like is she an automaton is that why she's been able to yeah I was like is that why she's lived in that room for so long does she not actually have to eat or drink is she just a like (laughs) a robot robot? but no that didn't go anywhere either well (laughs) that was also very interesting to me because you know we're talking about um, this uh, woman uh, what time did we decide on? Little Dwarf. person. <laughs> Little person. Um, they say that like the automaton is meant to it was meant to like fake speak, and it yeah. did it by fitting a little person inside like the chassis of the robot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I thought that the movie was going to go there as well. <laughs> where like she was the missing piece of the robot. She was there <laughs> all along. <laughs> Yeah, no, there was a lot of red herrings in this movie, and I didn't feel, like, jilted by them. No. So that was good. It's well, quite easy to feel jilted by a red herring in a movie. I wanted the automaton thing to be more of a mystery. Like, we found it out really early. Like, they well, saw a name on a gear. It kind of was, though, if you think about how it resolves. Yeah, I totally really like how it resolves. Because I was, I did, admittedly, for a little bit, watching the movie feel jilted. Like, oh, that would have been a cool way to take this movie. Um. Yeah, as far as, like, the automaton goes like yes the automaton was wrapped up very quickly but Mm -hmm. like once like we find out like the end game of the automaton i i was like suddenly suddenly i realized why the automaton existed in terms of the plan like it was entirely there to make sure that oldman like was interacting with billy so billy could like lead him in the right direction and then and keep him obsessed with going to the house because he was still looking for pieces even when he wasn't trying to fix <laughs> yep. um Claire. <laughs> and then once it was done it was just like a giant middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so pretty much all we have to tell you about the middle act is that a lot of it is spent on their romance and also Billy going through steps with him on how to court this woman as well. Yes, that's because other, Oldman's yeah. awful at it and has never had a girlfriend. Yeah, that's that's part of why Billy gets so involved with mm. Claire in the first place. Here's something I'd like to bring up. Uh, there's a point where uh, Billy's girlfriend comes to Oldman and is like, hey, uh, I think he's like cheating on me, he keeps talking about this Claire. Uh, I'm not sure if she's part of the plan, and that's See, like a I, thing I to... I don't like... think she was because of that conversation. Mm-hmm. She's the only one who, like, you said this yesterday, yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, she's yeah. the only person throughout the entire movie that ever gave Oldman any reason to distrust Billy. Um, and I don't think that that could possibly be part of the plan, because all it would do is put things on hold, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't have helped them in any way, especially because that suspicion could very easily have leaned to Claire as well. It didn't, but it could have done. Yeah. He could have then gone to Claire and been like, have you been spending time with Billy? And, you know, that would have just thrown the whole plan out of whack. Because, yeah. like, that conversation and uh, a thing that happens, like, right at the end of that, too, is that uh, Claire goes missing. And so at first they think, like, she's outside. They end up finding her, like, in the attic. In another secret room. Yeah. Um, but what I thought had happened was that Billy had kidnapped her because he had become <laughs> obsessed did with I. her. Yep. That was a decent, a decent thought. And what's really, really interesting about that whole, you know, Claire went missing thing is that he showed up unexpectedly, probably for the first time. I think it was when she was missing that was they had no warning that he was going to be there he was just like Claire Claire I brought you lunch Claire and then she wasn't there which is a really really decent warning for what hits in act three yeah also like the fact that she's like in another secret room like why did she go there yeah like it doesn't make any sense exactly and sort of 
he's just found her so you're like oh good he found her and so you don't question as much like in the moment or at least I didn't and he's just yeah. like she says things like oh you came back for me I didn't know if you'd come find me it's like, it's like why, why did you move why did you play this stupid game of hide and seek <laughs> yeah no like it didn't make much sense in the moment but I was too busy to be honest at this point I was going like oh I just want them to wrap up this romance yeah. now and, um, I'm kind of bored and all through this the music starts turning back from you know this romantic music that there's been throughout act to back into that like tension building mm-hmm. oh god what's going wrong stuff mm-hmm. that was in act one now i think that i would actually argue that act two kick sorry act two act three kicks a little bit earlier than when we realize it does yes. i think that act three actually starts when oldman is attacked see i was actually gonna say i think that it starts like when he finds her in the attic. You think that's the trigger? When, like, she comes out. Because that's when she really starts to interact with him mm. in reality more. Well, I I do... I can definitely see it being started with the attack because I think the attack was planned. Oh, yeah. the attack was super planned. Yeah. Like, Billy was one of the people who attacked him, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> like... When I was done, I, like, scrubbed back to that scene. I was like, I'm sure that's Billy. I know he's in a mask, but I'm sure it's Billy's actor. (laughs) But, yeah, my main reasoning for thinking that is that that is the first time that we as the audience have ever seen Claire leave the house. So that's when it becomes possible for her to do so. Like, before that moment, we've had no reason to believe that she's ever left that house. But as soon as she walks out of those gates it's now a possible thing for her to leave the house which is a possible clue you know what yeah. i mean like she's capable of doing so and did yeah um oh my god when they go to them uh metaphors and like just before they'd been like yeah one day everything will just click into place and then it gets beaten up and she just runs outside yeah. yeah it felt super clunky at the time Billy gave him this advice. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll all just click. And then it clicks. Almost like Billy planned it. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like Billy went to beat him up. So, yeah, um, effectively, after Oldman gets beaten up right outside her front door and Claire runs out to save him, I don't think we ever see her go back into a hermit state from that. No. No. She um, just suddenly is in the world. Yeah. She, like, goes to the hospital with him, starts going... To dinners and I mean, thinks about she, moving into his house. <laughs> she says that like she still feels like because she doesn't go on the trip to his last. Yeah, option. yeah, she's For like instance, b- not because ready. she says she's not ready. In reality, it's because. Yeah, they just were fucking with him, like all of yep. them, and like again, I, I feel dumb that I didn't take it, pick up on this, but it's a little odd that like Claire came out of seclusion. And that she was just, like, totally happy to be friends with Billy and that. These people that she's, like, never made any yeah. kind of a trusting the, relationship yeah. with. The but only, they were like, oh, they've been hanging out all the time. The only interaction that she's had with Billy before she leaves the house is him, like, just like Oldman did, creeping on her to see what she looks yeah. like. Spying yeah. on her. And then when they think they found her in the house, I think Billy is there for that. Yeah. But, like, she's never had a one-on-one conversation with him as far as we know. And suddenly they're all hanging out like old friends. Like, the staff tell him, like, yeah, she's been hanging out with with, with Billy, with Billy. And, uh, and all that lot, you know? Isn't that yeah. nice? And so he comes home from this trip. Mm-hmm. And... Which was touching. Everyone was clapping. Yeah, I really liked it. I was like, oh, it's really oh, nice. It was really nice. Oh, he's getting his happy ending. The movie can end now. Yeah, I was like, they're going to get married and then it's going to end. And that's the movie. But instead, he comes home and she is not there. And he begins looking around. And eventually he looks in the, like, secret, like, vault room where he keeps all of those paintings that we talked about at the start. Yeah, I think he, was, he, he had a painting to put away as well. Yes, he had a painting that was apparently of Claire's mother. Yeah. Um, he goes in there... And all the paintings are gone. And, like, it is... Visually, it is so shocking. Because that room was 
filled, <laughs> like wall to ceiling to floor. There was no blank space. No blank space at all. Hundreds of Where was paintings. he going to hang his new painting? Well, yeah, I actually no. had that question. I was thinking to myself, where's he going to put it? Like, well, there's like, he, no space. He has a bunch of, like, just leaned up against the wall because that's how many there are. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and just all of a sudden, these blank walls with like little dust outlines from yeah. where they've been. And sitting there in the room is the automaton. Yeah. Yay. That begins speaking with Billy's voice. Mm-hmm. Yay. Mm-hmm. And the phrase it says is something that was said earlier on in the movie a reasonably regular amount, which was. Um, reasonably regular amount, yep. Which, which is that inside every imitation, there was in, a little bit of truth. Yeah. like Something along those lines. Inside every forger, I think. Yeah, inside every forger, there's a little bit of truth. or Something along those lines. And, um, the, yeah, that's come up a lot before, because obviously he deals in antiques and valuing them and finding out if they're real or not. Um, and, yeah, pretty much, like, that statement just weighs really heavily on... This, like, hey, we made up the automaton. Fuck you. It's not an antique. It's probably not worth anything. I mean, it's still extremely impressive. It's impressive. It's extremely impressive, but it's not an antique. And I don't think you could ever sell it. Because, like... Maybe in a few hundred years. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's, that's all it is. It's just Billy's voice repeating that phrase through the automaton. He could sell it. Um, and... Yeah, he'd just value it as something really old and cool that had been restored. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but His like, last, if he got option. found out, if he got found out, you'd be like mad disrespected. No one found out about all the other jobs because he owned them, so they had no opportunity to get them revalued. Yeah. If yeah. you sell something you valued wrong, and someone else values it as bad, then you know. But anyway, the point is, is that that happens, and then we go through this sequence of his just like mad depression. It goes very quickly. They don't spend too much time on it. Um, but yeah, him, we get like just quick. Like, it's almost like a montage. Yeah, it's definitely I think it's a montage. Of depression. Yeah, it was just like a quick montage of, like, he's completely crushed. His, like, one friend that he has left tries to comfort him, but it doesn't really work because yeah. he's just so depressed. And he is in, like, a hospital at one point in a wheelchair. He should have been nicer to President Stone. <laughs> yeah. But something that occurs, um, which I think also leans into that phrase, is the, um, you know, the there's always something true inside and inside a forgery, is that something Claire said it was that one of her favourite places was this, like, very specific cafe in, in Prague. Prague. Um, and so we see him go to that cafe and sort of that's what the movie closes on is that he's waiting for her there. I think because in his mind, you know, she couldn't have made it up. Yeah. And the, um, the waiter says like, are you ready to order? And says, no, I'm waiting for someone. Is the main guy's name Virgil? Could be Virgil. I prefer saying Virgil Altman. Altman. I prefer saying Altman. That sounds right. Virgil was on the back of the painting of the mother. And it was like, oh, yeah, like yeah. she had signed yeah. it. She'd signed it yeah. for him. But yeah, anyway, the point is, is that he goes to this cafe. I'm still skeptical as to whether or not he did actually go. Part of me thinks, you know, he's still in that, <laughs> yeah. like, depressed hospital state just fantasizing about going there. Because I find it hard to believe that someone so old and desolate could just, like, up and run to Prague. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not like, going a lot. And he just lost anymore. all of his he fortune. A lot. Well, no, I he, think he didn't lose all rich. of his fortune. He just lost well, all of these super expensive paintings. Yeah. Like, I, I get yeah. the feeling that he is still rich. He never made any money off the paintings. I mean, they're worth a heinous amount of money. Oh, yeah, he still yeah. lost, so he like, spent a lot of money on millions. Them. Yeah, but he wasn't selling them anyway, so they were mm. they were basically it's just more sentimental. Okay, yeah. okay, it's that's more, fair. Yeah, I was just thinking in my mind like I guess he spent a lot of money on them, and I don't know how much of that money he actually had to spare, and how much of it was well, this is a worthwhile investment because if I do go broke, I can just sell so, one of these and make it all back again. He wouldn't sell his girls, but yeah. yeah. So that's pretty much the movie goes through those intense jumps in genre yeah it's like each little act is its own one and it was just extremely fascinating to go through i'm so glad that we didn't stop watching the movie because <laughs> i kind of wanted to when we were in the second act i was at this As moment of I. like i'm a bit disappointed this isn't what i wanted it to be i'm kind of bored yeah. but i'm glad we stuck it out uh now's probably a good time to take a break yeah. so yeah and we can come back and sort of more talk about like if you're one of those people that decided not to watch the movie and to listen to this instead, and then, you know, 
now you're at the end of this and, and you want to go watch it now you, you can do that obviously we're no, not gonna can't. we're not gonna stop you but it's probably gonna be quite different now that you know what's happening. we've removed your netflix <laughs> <laughs> um but i'd be super interested to know what you thought either way so if you do want to go watch the movie go watch it and tell us if you think we're wrong or whatever i don't know just go have a have a watch if you want to yeah enjoy the music you like the music uh we're back talking about genre and in particular about the film the best offer um so yeah i think james you had a question for josh i mean actually you just made me think of another question are there any other movies that do these sudden genre changes um hmm, i hadn't actually thought or not maybe not even movies but like any other form of media either i'm sure there are but like it's at least a reasonably unique thing that we all felt this enough yeah. to be talking about it now maybe sucker punch a little bit but not a lot but it definitely, yeah. it definitely... They, they weren't like heavy genre changes but i can see that i wouldn't some. say it was like a genre change i'd say it was like everything else changed basically yeah like i think that it leaned on action sequences and to a degree in those sequences became sort of like an action, action movie. movie yeah but then when I you mean, come back, I mean, it had all in, the trappings of an action yeah. movie at least, and and it's, I mean, it's when you come back into the real world from those sequences that it goes back to being sort of like a, a a drama mystery type thing. I actually think maybe uh, lots of role playing games sort of fall into this, where it's very much like here's your like setup uh, time, I, and I here's your dungeon right. crawl, and here's your you're now at like a party interacting with people. It's very cut up. Yeah, like in fact, we can talk about last night. We played the second uh, session of oh of our campaign, God. and <laughs> it went very suddenly from like yeah, we're like happy in like goofing around in boot camp. Like no, for Karen, go, going to classes he's still just and... happy and goofing around. He was drunk the entire time. That's true, but suddenly just like kept in, like so. I had this stuff. It was like okay, this has to happen in the background now <laughs> for stuff to make sense. So I guess like technically they can interact with it, and like I'll I have to put like some stuff there. That's and, like, busy. If, if they like scratch at it, they'll get some stuff. And so just scratching, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll give you like a little bit of information, and you're like. I have to keep scratching. <laughs> I basically, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was doing it on purpose. I just felt like I tripped no, and fell over the plot. And I, I loved it. <laughs> but it, it felt like I was giving this huge exhibition note because it was like all of these NPCs like talking and interacting with each other in the background, but you're like listening in on. You shouldn't have let Jess be a divination ghostie if you didn't want her to con- obsessively compulsively search for information. <laughs> James is convinced that I'm a divination ghost, and that's why I compulsively write in my notebook. Ah, it <laughs> makes a, a lot one. of it sense. It does make a lot of sense. So that's what I'm going to investigate. And whether or not I'm a divination ghost. Yep. Have fun with that. Yeah, I will. Anyway, the point is, is that yeah, we we definitely went through some like hard swapping in our um tone last night 
yeah like suddenly it was like this like mystery what's happening what's going on which is good because like the reason that stuff was happening in the background was like you are meant to find it out yeah. I'm worried Jess is the main character and I'm going to have to fix this. <laughs> <laughs> then come with me when I go on adventures. Yeah, hell no, I was doing fun stuff. You just need to pass me uh, some more notes. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm playing the mad note game. I mean, James, I'm, James I'm did give me some notes. Okay. <laughs> he gave me some notes. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So the best offer. Uh, yeah, Josh, uh, why did you call it a Greek tragedy? Okay, so like... A Greek tragedy, I guess, is yep. different than a normal tragedy in that, like, your main character just, like, constantly tumbles and falls down and down and down. Right? Like... Yeah. yeah. There's no the, redemption arc. That's the main feature. Yes. That, like, a good character but with flaws um, is sort of dragged down by his flaws. Yep. And in Oldman's case, his flaws are that he is extremely impersonal. He's like, yeah, he keeps to himself a lot. Like, the, I feel yeah. the reason that Billy picked to have a a woman with uh, agoraphobia as the bait, yeah. effectively, is because agoraphobia is just Oldman's flaw turned up to 11. Don't worry guys they explain it in the movie repeatedly. You can't miss it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. And so, yeah, the movie is about like the fact that he can't interact with people well mm. being his major flaw and it ends up being his downfall because he can't see that this is fakey fake bullshit but by the end he's realised that it's a flaw. Yeah, and while he has fallen this from this great height, he uh, realizes the error of his ways. Yeah, and that way it's cathartic, which is another like main thing about Greek tragedies. But despite the fact that there's this massive fall, it still has to feel good to the audience that they fell. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's yeah, like purpose. he starts off in a really good place. Like he has a job. He does have a, a friend at least. <laughs> yeah, he has. Uh, he has at least one friend, President Snow, as you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's rich. And then he like discovers his flaw, and everything's going to be happy. And in every other movie, he's like the Grinch that's heart grew three times its size, and then suddenly it's not. <laughs> yeah, they then burn the Grinch's house down and kick him down the hill. <laughs> But yeah, I found it very interesting because, like, I don't know, I feel like in another movie, at that end bit, like, we would have gone, like, a random person, like, sat down at the table with them Mm. and was like, hey, who are you? Hi. It's like, serendipity. Yeah. Um, Like, there would have been, like, something to make the ending more of a happy ending, I feel. Yeah. I feel like they could have ended it a lot of different ways. Yeah. And it would have been, like, really, really different. I stand by what I said earlier about um, the importance of Claire being very much gone uh, in the end. In that we don't see her at all. Once once she's... When Oldman sees her for the last time is when we see her for the last time. Yeah, it's extremely important. Okay, I have a weird example of a similar thing, but it was that movie where the person's life was being directed by a writer. Oh, Stranger um, Than Fiction? Or are you no, thinking of like the Truman Show? Modern, but I, I no. love um, Stranger Than Fiction. It's like one of my favourite movies. No, uh, it, it's not the Truman Show, but um, he gets to the end and the writer's basically like... Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to write that I was going to kill you. This is Stranger Than Fiction. Okay. It's the little, yeah, little, little yeah. did he know, right? Little did he know? Yeah. I yeah, think that's so, yeah. Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. Yeah, so then it's like, yeah, I, I was going to kill you, and everyone says it's going to be the best book ever if I kill you, but I can't kill you now because you're a real person. Well, I like that because she says um, the story's meant to be about a man who sort of dies for no reason. Yeah. But now he's not dying for no reason like he he knows and he's going to his death willingly yeah and she thinks that's a better story yeah yeah a- and she thinks that someone like that shouldn't die yeah exactly yeah. and uh, i feel the mere meta narrative to this is that because she says that it's not done yet that she needs to go back and like fix it because the ending is like disjointed from yeah. the middle and i think that the story that ends up getting written by her is 
strange of infiction <laughs> yeah like the script effectively yeah. from book form i guess um definitely yeah so i sort of feel like that must have taken place in writing the best offer and they were sort of like yeah where do we want to go with this or do you think it was just one like passionate drive um i i honestly think that whoever wrote um the best offer didn't plan for it to be a movie film yeah you think it was planned as a book i think so because a lot of it is heavily invested on us being in Oldman's head. And while the the movie was beautiful, I said to James afterwards, I loved yeah, the cinematography. Definitely. It was a beautiful movie. Um, I think that I would have felt my feelings a lot stronger instead if of getting bored if, I was, if I was reading it. That's interesting. I, I, I have no idea if that was the plan. Who knows? But I surely, when you say that, like looking at this through a different medium i think that this movie could have been a play like thinking about the sets yeah true like there are only really three places (laughs) they either are they're either at oldman's house they're like at the auction house or they're at claire's villa yeah Mm -hmm. and that makes for a very easy scene transition in terms of a play yeah I mean, I think it's quite interesting that people are willing to spend, like, tens of hours reading a book, but only, like, you have this two-hour block to get your movie done, and maybe not even that. Yeah, because, like, we're talking about, it's a two-hour and ten movie, and we think that, like, half an hour could have been cut from the middle, and that would have made it better. Yeah. But, yeah, a book would have been, like, so much longer an investment, but I guess the difference is that you spread a book out. Yeah. Jess, if we just cut, like, 30 minutes out of the Harry Potter movie, how would you feel? Ah, which one? (laughs) Yeah, which one? It matters. First. The first one? Not necessarily. The first one's pretty short already. Yeah. Uh, seven. Um, yeah. Yeah, Probably the sequence when they're in the woods and hiding out. That didn't need to go on for so long. Yeah, I think that seven and eight probably could have been cut down to make it a single movie. I already know people that are mad that, like, their favourite scenes from the book haven't been put into the movie. (sighs) I, I understand those people's pain, but in the transition from book to screen, you have to make some concessions. There yeah. are things that work in a book that don't work on film. I feel it's better to interpret sort of the feeling of the book more than the like actual contents of the book when you're um yeah adapting when you're adapting when you're adapting i like transposing yeah um yeah so like what you're getting at there i totally understand i'm one of those people that gets pretty mad about the fact that they cut one of my favorite tests from um the getting to the philosopher's stone because i loved i loved the potion (laughs) one i thought it was really cool especially considering the potions one was designed by snape and um snape is such an important character and yeah so it's for one that because at that point they think that they're chasing after Snape. Snape's yeah. the person who could get through that without thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I always felt like it was really important, and I was really mad that it didn't get made into the movie. But I understand why it didn't, because it's one of the things that's the least visually exciting. Like, what's better, people testing vials of potion or chasing flying keys on broomsticks? Yeah, <laughs> I get that. Well, I mean, one uh, nice time-saving thing that I think they did in the movie that I sort of didn't like at the time was they had the person that uh, had the great memory and they were sort of in the background of lots of scenes, so maybe you could do, like, more of those. Oh, right, we are talking about Yeah, I was like, I was going to say, which movie are you talking about? No, you're talking about the best offer again, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. That's That's how we didn't really clear that up in podcasts for anyone who didn't watch the movie. But that's how Oldman finds out that it's a that it was as much of a heist as it was. <laughs> yeah, like, because really, Billy had rented the villa from from that from person, that person from and they one. were like watching the villa and counting every time the agoraphobic Claire, I think yeah. her name is, uh, every Came time she left. left the place. And it was like heaps. She'd come and gone so often, which is why it makes so much sense that he went there spontaneously and she wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so he goes and asks that little person. That was the point of her even being there, was to sort of confirm what his worst fear was, I think. Which I liked that. So she served for that purpose, but 
she didn't feel out of place in the rest of the film because of the red herrings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it definitely, you know, it didn't feel like a, a janky device. It, it was yeah. definitely well placed, I think. Um, but but yeah, I agree with what you're talking about in terms of uh, it being like a Greek tragedy that spiraled down. I I really got that from um, from him, but I have to wonder if this film is not going to be very well liked because of that. I mean, yeah, like critically, it didn't, it didn't do great. Yeah, I thought it did okay. Uh, yeah, it it, yeah, okay. it did okay. I mean, uh, I thought this would be one of those movies that critics love and the common man would hate. I think critics loved the idea of it, but not the execution. That's yeah. true. They did so, over-explain it. Like, we're talking about we would have cut half an hour from the middle. I think that a critic would be like, yeah, get that half an hour from the middle out of there. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that um, they spent so much time building that romance that, you know, we all forgot what we were watching to a degree. Or at least you and I did. Maybe know. that was the point. Um... And what we I were think saying, it was the point. What we were saying about books and stuff, and uh, like the time that you invest in them, I think part of why that matters to me is that like they, um, if you were reading this romance, it's so much easier to immerse yourself in it without thinking about how much time you're spending on it. When you read a book, you spend so much time, you know, just devouring the yeah. world and putting yourself in that position that you don't feel like you're trying to buy into it, you just do. You know what I mean? In a movie, I feel like they have to convince me to believe it. But if I'm reading a book, it's already in my head. I'm, I'm kind of almost already there. So I feel like reading 100 pages worth of their romance would not be as painful as like the 45 minutes of their romance was. Yeah. Then when did Gormenghast go wrong? Where did Gormenghast go wrong? Um, Gormenghast went wrong in that... I'm not the target audience. Sorry, why do we keep talking about Gormenghast? Because Gormenghast is just one of those books that you have to be like extremely dedicated to world building and words. I hate that book. <laughs> I really, I really wanted to read it. Like Leo recommended it. He was like, "Yeah, this is really good," but I just couldn't get through it. I wanted I to tried. like it. I wanted to like it. Tried real hard. Couldn't. I couldn't like it. Could not like it. And uh, that's a shame. But. <laughs> For some people, I'm sure, like Leo, they, they enjoyed it because they can look past the like intense layers of text. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't like the start of a lot of books. Like Game of Thrones, I started and I was like, this just seems like quite generic fantasy and why does everyone love it? And... Well, you know, I mean, last week we talked about story structure. Like, the start is when, like, shit is the least built up. So it's going to be like... Yeah the hardest bit to get into it, but you need it to be able to get into the other stuff. That's why I like cyclical narrative. Also, I find it interesting that you just said, like, oh, the start's all this, like, low fantasy, like, generic. Yeah. But, like, I'm sure I've heard you say that you're, like, not sure if you like the, like, magicness. No, yeah, I hate Game of all of the magic in Game of Thrones. So you you dislike the magic in Game of Thrones, but also you're like, fuck this low fantasy bullshit at the start. Well, they, they start... <laughs> no, they start with zombies and stuff, right? They start, they like, do, with okay, white yeah, walkers. The prologue is zombies, yes. Yeah, so it's like, why would I write this not-the-best-written fantasy garbage Ooh. when I could go in, like, read something more interesting? Then it's like look at all these plots and things that are happening and I'm like, this is really good. This is way better written than all I of really the trashy. I really like that prologue chapter. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I cannot comment because I have not read Game of Thrones. Uh, but I have, I have you've watched You've seen the, the scene. Uh, yeah, what, what is the prologue? It's, uh, it's that first scene of the three um, members of the Night's yeah. Watch going out and getting... Uh, Butchered by something, a something, white noble walker. kid, something, something, white walker, yeah. stabby stab, something, yeah. something, and zombies. One of them shit. runs back and ends up being beheaded for deserting. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I really like that chapter. It has like a good like character dynamic between the three and like they establish a nice threat. And then they're all dead. <laughs> no, one of them escapes. <laughs> and then he's dead. Yeah, but like his death meant something because like you know he's communicated his fears, but everyone else is like. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think actually I'm going to have to go with Josh on this one because 
um, the White Walkers as a device, I don't know about the books, but in the show, they come up quite infrequently. They'll like yeah. go away for a lot it's of a season and then fade the book, back in. And I feel like if they're established at the start of the book, you know in your brain as a reader that this is important because they wouldn't start the story with that if it wasn't yeah. important. From memory, they don't show up again except like hearing people talk about them in the first book at all. Yeah, That's so, my favourite parts of the books. <laughs> like, So if you didn't have the story introduced with the White Walkers, every time they did show up it would like, feel what? random. It would feel like, why do they keep going back to these zombies that obviously aren't that important? They're just kind of this random side thing But now on. they're the first thing, and so you know no, they're know. important. Like, other books have the big bad established later than the first scene. Like, they want to have cyclical narrative, but it doesn't quite work. And the way that you were saying how um, it establishes this trend of people saying, like, hey, uh, the White Walkers are bad. Pfft, no, they aren't. It's this just over-explaining their metaphor. Like, <laughs> they do that all the time. Like, you're just it's just like, yeah, we're north of the wall. We're telling the wall that things are bad. Now the wall's telling everyone in the north things are bad. Now the north's telling everyone in the south things are bad. <laughs> Things are bad, James. Things are really anyway, bad. Anyway. <laughs> things haven't even got bad. <laughs> I also, I find, like, the distinction between low and high fantasy as a genre is, is supremely interesting. Well, I think that it's a very important difference because I know for a fact that I had very little, like, understanding or interest in high fantasy for a very long time, but yeah. I absolutely loved low fantasy. I yeah. thought it was, like, the bomb... Yeah, because low fantasy is just, like, a period piece yeah. for most of it. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, I don't think I like low fantasy. I really, really liked low fantasy when I first started. Again, James. So you don't, you dislike low fantasy, but yeah. when Game of Thrones does high fantasy, you're like, fuck this. Is it really that you just love political thrillers, no, no matter no. the setting? I actually think that's a pretty reasonable assessment of what you like. You really like political drama and like characters yeah. interacting which is, why, boy, huh? which is why you like scandal yeah, even I, though it's bullshit i also love high fantasy <laughs> i mean yeah but you dislike game of thrones high fantasy why is that because i wanted it to they swapped the genre on there that's what they did <laughs> they totally did <laughs> that's why i'm mad well, but like we just said they start with the most high fantasy chapter in uh Song of Ice and Fire is the first chapter. Yeah, it was crap. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. <laughs> okay. So apparently, maybe swapping of genres okay. can be problematic. I'll from, from your reaction. Blaine a little something. I had heard that it was this very good, like, political piece. And then I and go in and then like... I read high fantasy. So it was swapped and then it swapped back and I was happy again. And then they swapped <laughs> and I was sad again. I just had a memory of a piece that I can't believe I didn't talk about yet. Um, with shop- swapping of genres, it's a terrible movie. Like I, I think it's a bad movie. I'm, Are we I'm about to talk now. about the happening? No, the nines. Do you guys remember nine. when I watched the nines? Nine. <laughs> I did not see it, but I heard many a conversation about this I movie. Only watched Maybe I need to go three watch three scenes of it. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and I won't spoil it for anyone. It makes but total it sense. Definitely, definitely I, genre swaps. I think you can spoil it for people because no one's going to go watch, or no one oh. should go watch. Hold it. up, uh, guys! If you want to go watch nine, uh, go watch it now before you listen wait, to wait. the rest not, of the podcast. Not nine. That's a different movie about adorable characters. Yes. in a post-apocalyptic world okay, the yeah. nines like literally fully spelled out the nines and i think it's Plural nines. um who plays deadpool what's his name again ryan reynolds ryan, ryan reynolds ryan reynolds deadpool. plays the main guy so look for the nines with ryan reynolds they had such good intentions but it's a bad movie but you should watch it if you want to learn some things wilson wade <laughs> yes anyway so assuming those people have gone now in the nines um that it's like split up into three chapters, all starring Ryan Reynolds as a different kind of main character. Um, like it, it's all the same world, so it's still like present day modern stuff. But in one of them, he's like an actor who um, is going through like home arrest because he got really high and stole a car. Um, cool. And then in the other one, um, he's like a writer i think um just before you go on have you noticed how um 
people who write movies always make the characters like actors or writers like they, they only they can only make their characters like the things that are around them apparently anyway and what's the third one um, so this sounds a bit like deadpool because he starts off as like a human human then he's a superhero and then, yep um like Same movie. and then he I can't, I can't remember what the third one is but i remember that it's involving him let's assume he's a director yeah yeah he like he uh, has to leave his like wife and child to go get help because their car won't start and they're in the middle of the woods. I don't he, know if he's a lighting profession. guy. Um, <laughs> but like in each of those scenarios, all of the characters are reused and the actors are reused. So it's the people from the other stories cast in a different um, role in this one. So they were the neighbor in one, now they're the wife in this one. See, which that sort of thing. From a like only knowing that, like that sounds like cool to me because yeah. like. You know, generally, like, short films don't come to the big screen. Like, packaging three of them together that have, like, a similar thing and were made by the same people, that sounds like a cool idea to me. Yeah. But then... Also, you're showing all these actors, like, doing different roles and showing how they can, like, act differently yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it sounds cool. But then... It, but then it rolls around to, like, this really ridiculous explanation for it all, which is that, like, Ryan Reynolds' character is some kind of Greek god... And he, Which one? I don't, don't think know. it's named, okay. but he's some kind of Greek god who like fell in love with the earth and because <laughs> like he made it, I think he like fell in love with the earth and his creations. He fell in love with this specific woman. That's Melissa McCarthy. Um, okay. so she's one of the characters in all of them. So she's a human, and he falls in love with her, and they have a child together. And he's slowly become like more and more delusional about his life there. Then the other female character in it, who was always some kind of like antagonistic role, the seductress, is yeah, is she's another like another god. god who's trying to convince him to the come humanity back. Humanity shit and to yeah, and it's like, well, she's like, it's a beautiful thing you've created, but you're not supposed to be a part of it. And the more you keep trying to force yourself into it, the more you're fragmenting the reality, and like you're just gonna wreck it if you keep trying to force yourself into this. Can I try and say the quote? See, humans are like a five. Koalas are like a seven because they're telepathic and they can control the weather. You, you're a nine. <laughs> okay. So it's like sometimes the fives and the nines just don't belong together. And that's like paraphrased <laughs> earlier on in the movie from Melissa McCarthy being a five in terms of like attractiveness. Oh, and he's a nine. And she's like, you and me, we're nines. She's a five. You don't want to go with her. And the obvious you know? racism. Melissa, Melissa McCarthy was Suki in Gilmore Girls, right? That's right, that's, yes. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, like it's, it's a really cool concept that just goes really, really weird. And like, I love what they try tried to do but the way they pulled it off is just terrible <laughs> yeah. um and that was another that was another genre swapping one because every time yeah those three pieces would have been different i remember genres, right? i think i was messaging you at the time and then kieran came home and i was like kieran i need you to sit and watch this with me because i, <laughs> I don't know do what alone. i'm watching it, I, like i thought it was a drama piece then i thought it was a thriller because the world start interacting with each other like he's in the home that he lives in um, as the actor when he's on home arrest and he keeps hearing like footsteps around and stuff and then he finds like a note that was written and then like in one of the other storylines that note was written and put down so it's like there's like bits of each world swapping over right. but you don't know that at the start and then he picks up the phone and it's just someone going nine Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> nine. And like, I, I thought I was watching some kind of supernatural thriller movie, but then it hard swaps into the writer stuff, and then he's in like New York. Oh my god, it was it was all over the place, and it was terrible. Did you feel like after having watched it that you had become like higher than a five? Had you like elevated <laughs> to six? And if you watched it enough times, eventually you could build up to being a nine? No, I feel like it would drop me down each time I watched it, because <laughs> I would understand it less and less every time I I watched the movie and what I really enjoyed about watching that was that people were slowly trickling home as I watched it so like I had yeah. Kieran come in then I had Katie come in then I had James come in right at the end and I was like James all I need you to do for me is just watch this sequence at the start. I saw him like drugged in the car. I saw like the phone saying nine nine nine, and then the scene about koalas. 
Yeah, I like okay. I just like skipped him to the three significant points in the movie. And <laughs> I, I was like, those <laughs> have been scenes you deemed significant enough. I was to like, show. but it made total sense to me. I, <laughs> I was like, oh, so you're yeah, a six now. This person's high, and then he gets a weird phone call because he's high, and then he starts talking with his crazy someone about koalas because he's high. <laughs> Why do I? This makes a lot more sense. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous movie, but like. Yeah, that was definitely hard genre swapping that was done pretty poorly. Um, I can see why they wanted to make it such a hard swap to make you feel like, oh, well, this is very suddenly different, but it was not to their benefit. Yeah, well, because I feel like um, for Best Offer, it's genre swapping was to lull you into the sense of, like, everything's fine, and then suddenly, (laughs) like, boom, punch you with, like... Punch you with the plot. Tension punch! Oh! Yeah. Um... (laughs) Which I think worked, it's just that we spent too long in that middle genre. Yeah. Would you have felt better if you had of not known how long the movie was? See, that's that's a problem, right? When you go to a movie in a theatre, yep. you sit down and you watch a movie and you don't know, unless you looked it up beforehand, how long yep. it is. On Netflix, you open up the video and it has... Yeah, it has a bar. Like, every time you want to pause, you see how long you've yeah. got left. You're like, oh my god. See, generally what I do is I just, I ignore it. Like, I turn on the movie and then I don't pause it at all. I don't move the mouse so that the bar doesn't come back up. Like, a film in which that worked extremely to my favour was uh, F for Fake. If you're watching that movie, do not pay attention to the time bar, please. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I mean, I think to be honest, we went into it not knowing how long it was. I didn't I didn't like think about how long it was when we started it. I know that because we were just like we have enough time to watch a movie tonight, yeah. so let's throw on a movie. But um, it felt it. Yeah, it, but it, it, felt, it felt super like long and then it got to that point where it was like I think it was just shortly before she goes missing where I was like how long is this going to go on for and that's when we checked and we saw that there was like an hour or something left yeah. and we were like oh my god like well something else has to happen for that amount of time yeah. to be here we'll stick it out and if it's just terrible we'll just stop um and yeah. obviously it's yeah. a good thing we stuck it out uh netflix if you're listening to us uh you as the uh personified uh, anthropomorphic creature that you are uh, can you put in a feature that doesn't let you see the time length on things? Yeah, like even if we have the bar, but we don't have a number yeah. quantifying it. You just know that you're like halfway through or a third through. That way you can yeah. judge your own time. Yeah. Or you can and just you can, like, hit pause it. if you want to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, I think that that's our episode. Unless you... I wanted to talk about how everybody's going with their things. Oh, well, you know, um, yeah, it's a weekend. I'm yeah. still, I'm writing. I've got another few thousand words. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the the first twenty five hundred are out. If you want to read them, mm-hmm. yeah. I started reading them. Yeah. Yeah. Josh's story is officially published online. <laughs> well, half of it is. Oh, I should put mine online as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm just sick and lazy right now. I'm gonna scan on my character sheets from my game because I feel like that'll be a cool a cool little insight yeah. into everybody's workings of their minds. But that's probably gonna have to be after we move because I put them in a thing and then James put that thing in a box. So now ah. I don't know where it is. <laughs> Guys, I don't know how to write a short story. You you'll be fine. What are you struggling with so far? Short stories. Have a concept. Have you decided how short your short story is gonna be? Nope. Under seven thousand five hundred words. That was the official definition, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I can uh, I can talk about this off air or something. Uh, so you don't something. want to talk about it now? No, no we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about having solved it next week. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. I've been having a great time. That's good. Writing systems real fun. Yeah. <laughs> writing systems is real fun. I'm, I'm real jealous of your system right now. I just, I just want to work James keeps system. trying to help me, and I'm like, uh, no, James, do your thing. This is my one. Uh, I appreciate yeah. your input. You've had some good, you know, suggestions and stuff. Oh, but... been so sick. Yeah, you oh. can you can give suggestions when we play test. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um, I guess that's probably everything. I just wanted to check in a little bit. I know we're only yeah. like five days into it. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, this is potentially important. Um, next week we're all moving house. Woo! So we're going to be doing moving stuff Woo! on the days that we normally record. Woo! Yup. Are we? 
Yes, because Probably, yes. we're moving Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, really? Um, oh, okay. So there's a chance that the podcast might be late if we manage to record it on like Sunday night after everything settles down. Um, yeah, or uh, we can do it Monday if everyone's there because I, be I could rush edit it. Anyway, what I'm getting at is that there we might be. We don't need to talk about that. No, no, no. no. What, I'm, what I'm getting at is there might be a delay next week. Don't panic. We're we're not giving up. It's just that we're all moving in together, yeah. which is super exciting but time consuming. Worst comes to worst, I'll like quietly record one, um, like on my own, like in the middle of the night. <laughs> We shouldn't have used the bonus episode yet. That would have been what we could put in. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Anyway, I think we're... Punishing us for for giving more content to the people. I know. I think we're going to do do all we can to get you something next week. But uh, other than that, I think it's time for later days. Like, subscribe, follow, new draft podcast. (laughs) At gmail.com is our email. Good job, Jen. hyphen pod hyphen no no not, not how it goes new uh, hyphen pod no new no, hyphen draft hyphen podcast dot tumblr.com yeah, and new draft cast uh, is our yeah. twitter handle and new draft podcast on facebook yeah so you can find us there you know comment and stuff if you want to talk to oh. us can I? Can if you, I quote if you watch this movie, tell us. Yeah, please I, I, tell I us. I want to know what you it. thought about it. Can I uh, quote quote a person I've been listening to recently? If you'd like to get in contact with us, you must take a acorn that you have stolen from a tree just before it dies, then plant it in the ground, then cry a single tear of pure joy over it, and then whisper your request. <laughs> Later days. Later, Later days. days. <laughs>